0: For the AWA World Heavyweight Wrestling Championship, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling podcast. This is your host, Mister Green. Thank you for tuning in and allowing me to uh, go through some of the goings on in women's wrestling. Uh, specifically, when I do this, it is a lot to do with WOW, but um, of course, we incorporate other. A little segments and branches and legs Of the uh, pro wrestling universe Wow just happens to be the, the uh, I guess Focal point Week to week generally speaking Because it is the only all women's uh, Broadcasted women's show Wrestling show um, nat- Nationally I should say they're, n- they're not the only broadcasted women's wrestling and we'll get into all of those things I'm sure not now as the as the Weeks goes on because I've talked about it On a number of occasions uh, t- I'm sure I'm beating a dead horse by saying that Wow doesn't exist in its Own universe anymore they actually have Other wrestling uh, Things to compete with But you know that That's uh, That should be common sense at this point but You know we, we will move forward So Uh as it stands, like, you know, I think I'm going to start off with some of the news, and then we'll get into review. How about that? Um, as it relates to WOW, one of the things that I've just read, and you can look this up as well, is apparently the, uh, AJ Mendez has made the announcement that she is leaving WOW. She posted it on her Instagram. Uh, this has also been re, re-reported. Uh, Sports Kita, as uh, she talked about her departure from from Wow, um, I, I I have to say I'm a, a little bit surprised that she is leaving. You know, uh, not that Wow was in such a great place that it's hard to fathom that she would go. Is just. I think I expected them to attempt to try to get more out of her than just the year but apparently according to them this is this was a year contract that she had and she has decided not to renew with with Wow again um, I am a little bit surprised that she did not decide to... Give them another year or whatever the case may be i mean and, and no one's going to know the reasons as to why she uh, personally left other than you know maybe maybe her aspirations and and while aspirations are not growing at the same pace that that's a phrase that i like that rob van Dam used when he was talking about people leaving ecws like you know it's, it's just a case of the company and the person they were they were growing at different rates so, it could be just that. I mean, it might not be anything big behind it, but it is. It is a. Uh, I don't want to use shocking, but but it is is interesting to see that that she would up and leave right now. I mean, you know, Wow has not been what I would consider a top tier wrestling promotion necessarily and i don't say that as a as a shot at wow or anything like that it's just <clears throat> when i look at wow week to week and as you know i've, I've checked it out as as often as i can I uh, there's a lot that they try to squeeze into a 30 30 minutes that's <laughs> up so I'm thinking about what the show ultimately is when they, when they remove uh, the commercials. But they, they try to squeeze a lot into an hour broadcast. And I know that's not easy. Especially when you're trying to rope around multiple uh, angles and things like that. But I've never considered it a top tier thing because of, largely because of those reasons. It, it just, it sometimes is a little incohesive when you're actually trying to pay attention to it. I know there's a lot of people that look at it and they just look at it for what it is week to week, but <clears throat> when you're watching it, uh, not just I'm looking at it this week and I'll look at it next week and whatever happens happens. When you're, when you're paying attention to what they have done and what they're doing um, week to week, it, it loses a little bit of something in that because it, they're, they're not very consistent in that regard. Um, but I've ultimately, and they never really said what her major role behind the scene was, other than she's the executive producer. And keep in mind, you could take a, the executive producer title and, and throw that with a grain of salt. You know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, it's like Vince McMahon when he got executive producer credits on The Rock's original movies because he allowed them to use. The name, The Rock, so he was kind of defaulted into that. And I only use that example as to say this is like you know sometimes that executive producer thing is just a matter of title, doesn't mean anything beyond that. So um, it would be it, it would be foolish of me to think that the executive producer title that A.J. Mendez carried and there was some sort of major deal like she had. Uh, backstage say so or something like that. I mean, you know, maybe she did, but I I honestly, if you're asking me at this particular moment, I honestly don't think that she had that. I don't think that that was something that was part of the deal. I think that they wanted AJ Mendez. I think they wanted her by name, but I also think that they dropped the ball severely. Wow. Dropped the ball incredibly bad. Having access to AJ Mendez and not doing a thing with her beyond, AJ Mendez is here, and she's on commentary, and they constantly brought up, ah, you were a world champion, AJ. How was it like when you was a world champion? You fought hard to be worth, you know, they they constantly brought that up in commentary. But I said from the get-go, when they announced that they had her in their roster or management, however you choose to relate that, I said then there's two things That they should have been trying to do with AJ From the get go The first was going to be a little bit difficult Because she might not have any interest in wrestling Whatsoever And I understand That if they had done this They were going to take a loss Okay, It was going to cost them more money Than they probably were going to be able to get back But At a certain point I would have I said AJ you're coming on board to WOW the most important thing that you can do to help this company is a one match night in the ring that is the that is the single most important thing that you can do to help elevate this entire promotion and without saying anything negative about the other people there and it's not a negative comment <clears throat> but AJ is the biggest star that Wow has ever had Bar none there's, there's no debate to that AJ Mendez Is the single biggest name That Wow has ever had in is 20 year on and off 20 year history of existence that, that, There's no debating that Having her in the ring would have gotten them probably more press certainly from the wrestling medium it would have gotten additional eyeballs if they had promoted it correctly because there are people who just simply do not watch WOW who are wrestling fans and probably would have tuned in on the basis of oh AJ hasn't wrestled in 7 years she's back at you know wrestling and WOW let me see it You would have gotten very likely curiosity views, if nothing else. She would have, you know, gotten a certain amount of people just to look at her in the ring for the first time and whatever. And and if if they gave that a solid three weeks, month, five, six weeks to build it, they could have gotten some eyes. I, I, I firmly believe that. But that didn't happen. Now, again, it could simply be a case of AJ said that I am not wrestling no matter what kind of money you put in front of me. That's possible. Because although they have access to the money, I mean, realistically, I would have put a cap on it. I would have put a cap on the amount of money I would have offered. Because if you get up into some astronomical fee, there there's absolutely no way they could have gotten that back. Not off of what they're doing. But what they could have did, and yeah, it would have made the rest of the roster upset that she getting paid that much, probably. But they'll get over it, especially if her presence helps elevate the entirety of that show. What they could have did was they could have offered her the one-night contract. I mean, you know, if, if such a thing is worded that way. But we only need one match out of you. We'd give us a month and a half to two months to build it up one match look on that roster and find the most accomplished person who could get in the ring with her and keep things going and interesting while she's there for her you know return after seven or eight years and pay her I mean I probably would have capped it off at this I'll give you 10 grand to get in there and do this one match and given that wilds matches do not really exceed Ten minutes—that's like a thousand dollars a minute. I don't, you know, if, if that's something that you could turn down, then, then I'm like, okay, fine. We can move on from that. That would have been the cap—ten, 10 grand. If Jeannie, if I could convince Jeannie Buster to just write her a check, just give her the ten grand, and we'll find somebody in this, in our roster that can take her on, and we'll just, you know, we'll we'll promote that. That should be simple. Not saying it would have worked. She could have said no, but that would have been the offer. The second thing that they could have did in trying to utilize and get value out of A.J. Mendez is they could have gotten the in-ring or sit-down promo with A.J. Mendez returning to wrestling after almost a decade. They had her right there. They have cameras. They have microphones. Sit, have somebody sit down with her for five minutes and let her drop all the stuff. I mean, it ain't got to be overly salacious, but you know people would have tuned in to listen to what she had to say. She wouldn't have had to cut a wrestling promo and call people out and stuff like that. All they would have needed to know is that, hey, guys, AJ Mendez is going to talk about her life in wrestling, why she left wrestling, what she did during her hiatus, and why she came to WOW. Next week, On this, you know, that, that's, that was pretty much all they needed. They, they didn't need to go much further. Now, people would have tuned in to hear her talk. That is absolute fact, and and to g- go one step further, because I'm sure the complaint would be, well, you know, it's, it's a wrestling show. We don't want all that talking on there. All right, fine. Then here's what you do: you do the interview with her. You get more than five minutes, but you clip it at a minute on the show, maybe a minute and a half, and then you show the little clips of the things that the people really want to hear. Why'd you leave? Connecticut or New York. Don't refer to it as WWE. Just, you know, say it say in normal buzzwords. Why did you, why'd you decide that Connecticut was no longer for you? What, what was the problem? Why did you leave New York? Why did you stay gone? What have you been doing? And then you get to the big one, where she gets to put the company over. Or, you know, you've had many opportunities. And I ought to framed it that way. You've had many opportunities to get back into wrestling. I know that every wrestling company when you left had interest in having you on their show. Why did you choose WOW? Boom. The fact they didn't do any of that in the year that time that they had her tells me they, they completely dropped the ball there. Uh, there. There's really no other way that I can describe that other than they dropped the ball. They had somebody of interest to the wrestling community in the palm of their hand, served to them on the silver platter, and at no point did they take advantage of that other than to say, A.J. Mendez is here and she's doing commentary. And, you know, and if you look at the beginning of the show, if you weren't paying attention, like if you just turned on the show, let's just say, and maybe missed the first two minutes, you wouldn't even know A.J. was there. You, you, you would have just heard a female voice back there, and you wouldn't even known that it was A.J. Mendez for the most part. They didn't start really beating it into the ground that she was back there until maybe a half a year in. But there it is. Uh, that is the news. A.J. Mendez is out the door of WOW. So when they have started this new set of tapings, which just as I am talking now, it just took place at the beginning of the month, uh, she should no longer be available. She should be out the door. I did mention that she uh, posted on her Instagram her statements about WOW, her being AJ Mendez, formerly AJ Lee. And I want to make sure I read that before we move on. Her, uh, her statement was, as my contract with WOW Superheroes winds, the winds down, I want to thank the ladies for welcoming me Welcoming me into their locker room, our hair and our makeup talk sessions, and constantly inspire me with their hard work, talent, and genuine camaraderie. I'll try to come back and play in the future. I ho- hope all you fans keep watching next season to support these incredible athletes and stars of tomorrow. And then, in, uh, in parentheses, she put, "This is this project is non-union, but while we're here, W-A- with WGA strong." Sag Alpha Strong. Uh, so, you know, she's considering that she's moved into the Hollywood sphere and she's supporting the Writers Guild and the, and the Screen Actors Guild. Uh, she has been on uh, an episode of, of uh, Heels on Stars. So that, you know, probably speaks towards that. Uh, so, and of course, you know, she's gone into being a writer. And that's probably a large part of the reason why she jumped on wow anyway but we'll we'll never know that until she uh expresses this but as you can see she left the door open to go back to wow i'm not so again i'm not saying that she will not return although that's probably going to be built around two different things either uh, the door is open and she's not in the midst of doing anything terribly important that requires her to be in and out much you know in this case i'm going to say a wrestling promotion or you know she is gets a better deal out of while. Wow. like you know they invited to come back and they they give her you know more stuff to do or or maybe they'll do more along her creative sphere because i again i can only imagine and maybe she'll mention that at some point I can only imagine that the large portion of her reason was probably built around that they, Not a fight, but maybe didn't go exactly in the direction that she would have liked for her as you know a backstage talent or something along those lines. But maybe, maybe, maybe we'll find out as time goes on. Uh, speaking of being released, Lacey Evans reportedly was not released. Her contract expired. If you have seen her on Instagram... Uh, she's gone back to, well, I shouldn't say gone back, but she has changed her name. She's no longer Lacey Evans, and she has placed on her Instagram uh, the FKA, formerly known as. So uh, it is confirmed that she's parted ways with WWE, and she's been moved over to the alumni section. I doubt that this is anything like Jay Uso. I know some people are like, oh, you know, Jay, Jay Uso walked out. Yes, he did, but... <laughs> Jay Uso is still part of some storyline now. Granted, that storyline is probably going a, a a bit far at this point, <laughs> but, but but you know, with with that, is kind of um, see through. Here it is. Uh, it is. It, I don't want to say see through because, but. They weren't doing anything with it. Let's just call it for what it is. They were not doing anything Where The closest that she got to doing anything of any significance in WWE on their main roster television was her being the love interest for Ric Flair. Other than that, she was a failed experiment. She was a start and stop multiple times. Uh, from what I understand, some of her uh, – Maybe, I'm trying to find the right way to play. I want to say political views, but there's really nothing else that I can say for it. I think some of her views may have worked against her in some regard. I've heard that. I don't know if that's necessarily the absolute uh, truth there. But, uh, yeah, she's gone, formerly WWE superstar Lacey Evans. Now she is listed as Limitless Macy, Macy Estrella. I hope I'm saying that right, but that's where you can find her right now. She still has the check mark on her on her uh, Instagram, so you can could, you could see that. Now, the question is that I would have, as it relates to Macy Estrella, is where is she going next? She doesn't really have a strong wrestling history underneath her. When I met Lacy or Macy, and I never met her in person, so let me just you know say that. But before, just before she went to do the um, the show that WWE was doing, that basically got her hired, <coughs> um, she was wrestling independently as Ruby Mobs, which in essence was if you remember when Lacey was in NXT and she started breaking out the uh, the military gear and she was wearing that, that's basically what Ruby Mobs was. She was the military extension of her wrestling persona. Um, when I met her at that point, she didn't have a lot of matches on it. I mean, you could not go through the independents and just be like, all right, let me go find an old Lacey match from the Indies. It's not a lot of them. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I might have seen one. And that was like seven years ago. So she doesn't really have a great deal now. Somebody's going to hire her just because she was on NXT and and because she was in the WWE system. But I, I am really I'm interested to see where she'll go. Quite honestly, I'm I'm in her because I can't see her being any value in AEW. That doesn't mean they won't hire her, but I don't I can't see her being any value to that roster. I really can't even see her being any value to the Impact roster, which is probably a more likely landing spot. But, again, I I don't see where the value there is for her or for the company with her. Same thing with NWA. She probably is going to have to do some high-end indies and get her name worked up. Although it's not going to surprise me if she shows up in NWA or Impact tomorrow. Because, you know, they like having a star there and she's a recognizable face. The question is, is it going to be worth it? The NWA has a, uh, a long-reigning champion in Camille. As of right now, she is the fifth longest-reigning NWA world's champion, women's world champion in history that is pretty impressive i must say i mean she has pretty much gotten herself up into the upper echelons of what the the nwa women's championship is at this stage i i don't know if i really saw camille doing making these kind of uh i want to say headlines i don't know if i saw her Making it this far, I didn't think that she was going to have a short reign. But I don't know if I believe that she was going to be up at the uh, the top. I mean, she is quite literally within the top ten. The only people that lead her at this stage, and let me make sure because I I wrote this down, but you know, uh, time has migrated since then. So I'm going to make sure that I look. Okay, so as of right now, Camille sits at 806 days of being the women's world's champion. To put that in perspective, she is now a longer reigning champion than June Byers, who was, uh, you know, several decades ago. I'm going to go through some and see if, he, if these are names that you can recognize, uh, like Barbie Hayden. Barbie Hayden's reign was a little over a year at 378 days. Now, some people might not remember her. She was known as Abilene Maverick on WOW. So some, those of you who tuned in for the WOW review, you probably know what I'm talking about. Casey Carlisle, who's been on our channel a number of times, also a little over a year at 462 days. But she was in a very dark period of of, uh, holding the NWA Women's Championship, as was Barbie. Uh, A lot of them were, now that I'm looking at it, Amazing Kong or Awesome Kong, depending on which promotion you're talking about. She held the title for 358 days. Santana Garrett, another uh, former WOW champion. She held it just under a year at 314. Amber Gallows, Allison Kaye, Serena Deeb, Lexi Fife. Uh, Tiffany Rocks, you know, Malaya Hosaka. These are all women that held the championship. And at this stage, Camille has outreigned them all. She only has four people in the entire history of the NWA Women's Champion, in the entire recognized history. This championship dates back to 1950. Or at least that's what they, they uh, put it down. I, that I know the original version of a women's championship goes back to 37. But that the NWA Women's World Championship is officially dates to 1950. But right now, there are four people, there's only four people in the history of that belt that have longer reigns than Camille does currently. Mischief, which is a name that has been kind of lost to, to history. Her reign is at 916 days. She's at number four. Jazz, who was never beaten for the championship, she just relinquished it. She's at number three, with her singular reign being 948 days. When you get up into the other uh, two, those being Debbie Combs, Fabulous Moolah. <clears throat> Their reigns are listed by a combination, so we can't go off of that. But we'll say let's look at the first reign of the Fabulous Moolah. The first reign of the Fabulous Moolah is listed now at, <laughs> at an amazingly, comically long 3,651 days. Now, she is never going to beat that, okay, It's the same thing I said about uh, Roman Reigns, when people start talking about him getting into Hogan land, you know, his title reign, the four-year reign that he had, and uh, getting into Bruno territory, and uh, I think Backlund's other, his first reign. Like, yeah, look, I like Roman, but he ain't never getting that. He's never getting that. And they don't even, you know, and, and just as a side note, just just as a quick side note, you do realize, for those of you that watch WWE, you do realize that the reign that they're doing, they're conflating the Universal Championship reign and the WWE Championship reign together to try to make him as a long-reigning champion. Roman has not had the WWE Championship as long as that. They're pushing them both. The, the reign that... They are trying to count for, for him being the longest reigning ever. He's already the longest universal champion ever. But they're trying to put that universal championship reign over top of the WWE reigns from the past. Even though he is a unified champion. But they're, again, they're trying to conflate the two together. They're trying to just mash them. And the way they talk about it is is all one thing in their verbiage. But no, Roman is not that long of a WWE champion if you separate the two reigns from when he won it to present day and he is not going to beat Hogan's reign he is not going to beat uh, 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 Bruno's reign or anybody else that was from that era that held titles for two and three years at a time so yeah let's let's move on from that Uh, so yeah in this case Moolah has a comically long reign and you know and and no one's going to beat that even her second and third reign was like another 3000 days is you know is, is ridiculous uh the only other person there that uh that is listed as having a lengthy lengthy reign that will be somewhat difficult for um camille to overshoot is debbie combs combs is another one that they have uh, Mashed her reigns together. Collectively, they have her at 3,461 days. That is the combined title run that Debbie Combs is listed as having. Although her, how many times did she have it? I, uh, I think she had it like three times, if I am not mistaken. But, again, when you look at the the entirety of her reigns and how long and, and all that stuff, yeah, uh, it's good that Camille got up there, but I do not believe that Camille is ever going to bust any, either of their reigns. So we'll, uh, we'll carry on from there. Uh, I won't spend too much time talking about LaFisto's post of the AEW women's locker room. There seems to be a lot of problems that's going on in that. and. I, I I will just say this. It feels a lot like her side, their side, and the truth somewhere in between. I do not doubt that Lefisto probably felt alienated and uh, down-talked to or you know, however, whatever other feelings that she had leaving out of the locker room, I know that the prevalent one is that she had been politicked out of a job. I do not doubt that she feels that way and or found evidence to support it. Uh, I also do not doubt when she says that there are people that have talked to her um, behind the scenes who do not want their names revealed. Who said that was other uh, issues that was going on because this is not an isolated thing. I mean, you know, once Big Swole left the company, then all of a sudden she had a lot to say. What I expect to happen in, in most cases when the people are no longer bound to that company, to where they feel like I'm gonna get fired or I won't be able to return, or my job will be at jeopardy if I say anything. Once you get those some of those people past that you're going to get some truth that's going to start coming out as it relates to some of them and their place and what they felt like, the mismanagement of, of the women's division, which really, man, they they just – I don't know what they were doing in their women's division. I don't even understand why they had two different – technically two different women's championships when the other one isn't a women's championship. <laughs> the TBS title was, uh, by their definition – uh, it was kind of like Impact's Digital Media Championship, which you see that thing hasn't gone far either, but it's just, you know, it was, it was just like a championship for the sake of having a championship. <laughs> which one was the more important one here? They just had it just to have it. But anyway, getting back to Lephisto, no, I do not do not doubt anything that she felt like or thinks that took place, but I also don't doubt uh, you know, some of the women that are in a that we probably think is the greatest thing in the world. And I, I will say if they did anything that probably gave them any problems having everybody just respond to Lefisto on social media simultaneously almost, if there's anything that looked like they were trying to make sure that we got to tell the world that everything's fine here, it was that. It was... Everybody from Renee Young to MJF all coming out in support of the women that one time, almost right around the same time frame. It's like it was, they were just told, hey, guys, do it. So, so um, that, that would probably be the most telling thing in this situation. But uh, I'll address Maxwell Jacob Friedman's statement and move on. In so many words, he basically said that if, if you're somebody that's been in the wrestling business for over a decade and, you know, you haven't made it any major company, you know, it's probably because of one or two reasons. Bad attitude, not not as talented as you think and things like that. And all of those things are true. But it does not excuse one of the other, other things. Now. In fairness to him, he just said those things amongst many. The one that I would add to that is lack of opportunity. There's been several people over the years who've been very talented and been very good behind the scenes and respectful and stuff. People that I've met, people that I've known personally, people that have come in and out of various different independent promotions or whatnot, sometimes those people just – do not get the break that's just that's just a fact of life just some people do not get the break for whatever reason wrong place wrong time you know the, you're getting involved in the business the wrong time I mean think about the amount of women who got involved in wrestling around 2002 when there was no viable option for women's wrestling WoW wasn't hiring anybody that they didn't train themselves? Impact? Well, there wasn't an impact. TNA didn't create a women's division in 2002. The WWE had a women's division, or they started creating one, but that was largely just to uh, accommodate having women in their roster. It was just a means to an end. They didn't give a, they didn't care about the matches or that division for that matter. There's a load of people that came out at that time, who were great people, who just never got the break. That's that's just the truth. It's not always a, it's not always a, a case of uh, you were terrible, or you didn't know what you were doing, or you thought you think you were better than uh, than what you actually thought you were, or you know stuff like that. That that's not always the case. Sometimes it just doesn't work out because of when you got involved. Charles Barkley said that in a, in a documentary about the, the NBA, where he was talking about, you know, a lot of these guys think they're getting paid this kind of money because they're, you know, they're good. It's like they're getting paid that money because they were born at the right time. And there is some truth to that. A lot of these people got the opportunity they got because they were born at the right time. When Cindy Rogers, I'll use her as an example, then i move on. Cindy Rogers, I thought, was a fantastic wrestler. She got into the the business somewhere around the the, the time frame that I'm talking about, that 2002, uh, 2003-ish area when they just did not have a place to go. And there's a bunch of them. I mean, it really was a bunch of them that hit the scene who just did not get the chance. Cheerleader Melissa, even though she did show up in uh <clears throat> Impact Wrestling or TNA, I keep saying Impact. Um, they just didn't get the chance because those chances weren't readily available. And she was a fantastic wrestler for what she did. And then she did it as long as she could until she got hurt. And she couldn't do it anymore. And then she had to move on. She had to drop out of the wrestling business altogether without her ever having a chance to get to that spot. Her colleague did, but she had to hang in there to do it. Her colleague being Mercedes Martinez. They came in around the same time, and she she had to hang in there for that. She had to hang in there for almost 20 years to get a chance to wrestle on a major network wrestling promotion. And she got that chance, but how many people didn't? She was one of, if you just go on to, uh, this used to be the site that they used, glorywrestling.com. And I believe the site, last time I checked, it was still available, but it, it ain't been updated for nothing. But I say that to say that just if you, Go glorywrestling.com and hit their wrestlers tab. Just look at the amount of people that are on that roster. Some of them you'll recognize, a lot of them you won't. You'll recognize somebody like Jessica Dalton because she went on to become ODB. You you may recognize Allison Danger because she kept wrestling and, you know, she stuck around to shimmer and shine and stuff like that. You'll recognize uh uh Mickey James had a different <laughs> different name uh, when she was wrestling. Alexis Marie, you recognize her because she became a big star. And there's a couple of other ones that's in there that just down the line. And speaking of the one that brought this whole conversation up, LaFisto, she's in it. There's plenty of them, plenty of them. And they don't always, you know, they're not all just shut out because they were a problem backstage or a pain in the ass or, you know, they, they couldn't be gotten along with. Sometimes it's just timing. Not saying that's the case for her, but sometimes it is. Episode 47, of review. This is Leaving It All in the Ring. That is the uh, episode that they produced for this one, and it is same, well, same format. Recap of last week's main event. But I will say this, they did do something in their recap this time that they don't normally do. They, they showed a part of the promo that uh, you did not get the chance to see from the previous week. This was the end where Lana Starr gets the microphone. Her team had just won. And she's basically doing the same promo that she always does. And if if Miami's Sweet Heat did not pick up the microphone and say something at that point, I probably would have said that this is everything that it always is, is rinse and repeat and just, you know, same promo. But Miami's Sweet Heat speaking in along with her helped Save that promo. Otherwise, this would just be change the tune. The first match, second segment, is Las Bandidas with Sofia Lopez taking on Jennifer Gen Z Flores and Steffi Slays. I wanted to start with saying that they finally did. I don't know if it was Sofia Lopez's choice, I don't know if it was somebody in the backstage. But they finally had her come out and not go shaking hands with the kids. She came out as a heel. And this was so much better. So much better that she actually was a heel and she portrayed being a heel. She did not shake any hands. She walked straight out to that ring along with her tag team. And she got in the ring and she took the microphone from Lauren uh, Huntley. This is what Sofia Lopez should be And she didn't just take it. She snatched it from her. This is what she should be doing. This is what she should have been doing from the get-go. So I like that they changed a little bit of it. I hope they stick with this. Do not have Sofia Lopez coming out there shaking hands and kissing babies. She should not be doing it. She's a heel. Let her be a heel. And so she did. She snatched the microphone and she does her introduction of of the uh, Las Banditas. And I would hope that the commentators don't try to, oh, man, she does a great job of commentating and introducing them. You know, make, make her sound arrogant, which is what she should be. Just leave her as the heel manager as she's supposed to be. Uh... Sanchez and Rivera look good together as a team, not just in the ring. I mean, the, the aesthetics of them now, that they, they look good. I, I, like the, I like that they actually have some matching outfits. Now, that's not to say that they were a bad team when they didn't have them, but the aesthetics looks much better. And, and I will say, even though they are not an official team, they've never been announced as such they, they've tagged up enough to where i think flores and and slays they look good together they have a, kind of a matching uh outfit deal not, not the outfits i mean color scheme it's kind of purple and silver you know flores has the purple trim with a little silver <laughs> slays is all purple with with the white boots or, or at least close enough to um flores's outfit that they could pass as a team. So, you know, I was like, Man, I, I'm liking the look of both of these teams here. Sophia, uh, Sophia Lopez continues to grow as a heel manager, not just coming out as as she did, but, you know, just it, it's about what you do and what you look like and, you know, your your facial expressions, even when, you know, the camera's not on you because you got some people that's live in the audience that you got to be performing for, and she does that. Um, The Banditas are starting to work good as a heel team. And I want them to stick with that. This match is actually pretty good. And it's not that it's good in the terms of you didn't know who was going to win. I was pretty certain just reading about this that Las Banditas is going to win. Now, of course, they have surprised me and lost before, but I, I I was pretty confident that they were going to do this. But this actually came off as a legitimate contest between two solid teams. Like you know, I, we know that Slays and Flores are probably not going to ever do anything in a tag team situation, but they they fought back, and it came it came across like they were at least. Putting in the effort. Same with Lopez. Like the manager turns, I mean, not the manager, the referee turns his back. She reaches in and she starts grabbing the hair and yanking. Uh, Flores is thrown across the ropes. Now I wish that she performed it better. I think I wish that she found the uh, the way for it to look like she's not just matting up her hair. I want I want her to look like she's choking her out. I want it to look like she's putting some bite weight in there and some aggression, and that she is actually making her fight to get a breath. That's probably the only real criticism that I have for Lopez in that particular instance. I think that she should work on how she looks when she's doing that. But outside of that, I mean, no. This may be one of the highlights of this show. It is a a good match, and... The banditas more or less went clean, which was shocking. They didn't have to do anything in uh, <clears throat> no no pulling out some nucs, no chains, no holding the feet, no, no briefcase, none of that. They they actually won this thing clean, outside of you know manipulating the referee and stuff like that. The uh, finishing tandem move that they broke out is. Flores ascended to the rope. She's back into the ring by this point. Rivera catches her in a standing spine buster, which then sets up for a senton bomb by Sanchez. One, two, three, they're done. Clean win. Right in the middle of the ring. Good stuff. And they let Lopez get in there and parade her team around and let everybody see my girls won, which was, again, good stuff here. Not... You got to get the praise or the praises due, and they deserve the praise. Next segment, there was a video package talking about the two top teams. You know, it's kind of hard talking about two top teams when I'm just coming out of this. I, I think the banditas should be in that conversation, but you know, we're, we're going with whatever story that they're trying to tell. Uh, and they're talking about the, basically setting up for the main event. This is last call and the, the Tonga twins. and, Wow builds this up like it was the equivalent of the Road Wars versus the Steiner brothers or something. Yeah, that's old reference at this point. But that that they build it up like it is two unstoppable forces that are finally stepping into the ring together. Maybe the, maybe the better equation and you know rest his soul would be the Briscoes versus FTR. They, they build it up on their show like that. Like, oh, man, this is going to be a class of titans. I, this match is overhyped, and I'll get to that when I get to it. Next segment is G.I. Jane and Candy Crush. The commentators are talking about an event that never took place on camera. I hate when they do this. It would be different if they did this every once in a while, but they do this all the time. It is completely in the hands of the commentators to try to relate whatever story that's going on. And yes, that's their job. But you know what? Every once in a while, these people should be able to say these things themselves. Why is it that we have to hear this? Oh, yeah, and you know, backstage, they ran into each other and they had words and they did this and that. And then they decide to have a match. None of this stuff happens. None of it happens on air. Nobody sees this commentators start talking about things that no one has any relation to whatsoever. It's just, hey, the guys, look at what this, these things is happening. Now we got a match. It's hard to get invested in that. That's why I keep calling them cold matches. Like I know they they have these, these things that they say go on backstage. And I know that they had these things that they say ignited this match. But how can you possibly get Involved, emotionally involved in these things where you have no way to see it? How? And, you know, never mind the fact that sometimes these things take so long to pay off that by the time they get to it, it's like, I don't even care now. And this is one of those cases. They're talking about events that never took place on camera. This is a cold match between two wild wrestlers, and it's just filling airtime. time. And considering the experience level of both these ladies, you know, it, it probably shouldn't take place, but uh, this is actually better than what I would have ever given it credit for, if, I, if I'm going to be completely honest with myself. So we've got this match between Candy Crush and Gi Jane, ah, again, considering the experience level of both these ladies, probably shouldn't even took place, but it did, and is built off of something that, like I said, none of us saw. No one knows what this, you know, this this confrontation that they had backstage is, and honestly. I would tend to believe no one cares. It's just stuff that they're saying because they have to say it. And I don't even remember what the thing was that they said took place other than some words were exchanged and and then here they are. Uh, I, I don't know what they need to do to try to get past doing that constantly, but they need to come past something just to get over that. So, G.I. Jane is in, and then Candy Crush comes out. I don't know what direction Candy Crush is going in now. They, they pretty much built her up like she was going to be one of their main event girls, but this does not seem to be having any sort of real direction for her. It's just, it's just she's doing matches. Same thing with Jane. She was with Samantha Smart, but then all of a sudden she's not, so I don't know if that's her manager officially or not. Uh, at one point, the what was referred to as the world's strongest slam was James Finish. She used that, didn't work, but she used that in the match a couple of uh, weeks ago, didn't work then, so I'm going to assume that the... World's Strongest Slam means nothing at this point out of her. Neither does her boot camp kick. Because she tried that, and then she kicked out of it. So Jane has not been conditioning the audience that she has a finish. She just she has some things that could have been the finish, but they, they have been neutered following his use. This match ends with G.I. Jane, who was upset that the slam didn't work. I'll just say standing power slam. And then she picks Candy Crush up and more or less grabs her by the hair and parades her around, showing showing her to the audience at large, like, I got her. And then she puts a a choke on her, like she's going to do a left-handed choke slam. And somewhere within the uh, elevation of that, as she's coming down, Candy Crush just pops her with her right hand, the superwoman punch or the candy crusher or whatever they want to call it. And, and she wins and the crowd goes wild. They, they smack their thunder clappers together and the kids are happy. Uh, the match is fine. It's passable, but it's a cold match. There, there's absolutely nothing that's going on there. Uh, next segment is a preview of to Rush versus Fury. I wrote down. I'm expecting Fury to win. And I didn't really care about the uh, the segment profile because why should I? Uh, the next segment was the preview of Princess Azzi getting prepared to take on Vickie Lynn McCoy to get a title shot. It's, it, I wrote here is about time that this stipulation was applied. And I wrote that because they have gone on and on and on and on about the importance of Vickie Lynn McCoy and that. They wouldn't have had championships as it was if it wasn't for her. And everybody's got to go through Vicky Lynn McCoy. And I pick who Lana Starr says I pick who's going to be challenged for the title. Now, those things never happen. Vicki Lynn McCoy has not stopped anybody from getting a championship match, at least not as it not as it's described by them. She, you know, she wasn't a a wall or an obstacle to various people. She didn't injure anybody to stop the tag team championships. She never stands in front of the tag team championships. She didn't help them win it, nor did she help uh, Penelope Pink win it. So I don't know where they keep going on with that, but, you know, they they do. Uh, But I was just happy that they at least attempted to apply this. So... The next segment is the match. This is Fury with Raz. I mean, uh, with Rez, Razor. Damn, I can't even say it. Razor and Mesmera versus Keter Rush. The commentators are bringing up Americana's issues with the heavy metal sisters. Why? They they just keep carrying on with this. And they're talking about bullying from the sisters. Same, you know, is same thing I said about everybody else. When did this happen? When did this happen? When did they bully her backstage? When, when did they show this damage that they didn't even show the tablet? They had Americana get on there talking about how she, how the heavy metal sisters hurt and damaged her partner. She can't wrestle again, and y'all broke my son's tablet. You can't even come backstage with a tablet that's shattered in your hands. as a prop. You can't even really do that. Because they couldn't show it. They didn't show it. But they want you to feel for this kid that it happened. So, this is more of let's put the match out here and we'll try to get a story out of it somehow. That's what this feels like. We got a match, and we got to try to get some kind of story within this match. One of the things that I really question is how are the heavy metal sisters somehow a more ruthless team than everybody else? What have they done in the entirety of their existence on this show that makes them more dangerous than the last team or the next team? Or whoever. Why is Keita Rush out there by herself? This would be somewhat acceptable for me if this were the first time that this has happened with the Heavy Metal Sisters, but this is an ongoing thing now. Every time Fury has a match singularly, both members of the Heavy Metal Sisters come out there with her. Why do the babyfaces even attempt to come out here by themselves when especially when at the end of the match their friends pop up anyway <sighs> okay so this this match uh, is everything that I said and expected it to be and it, it was it was a match the the feature the heavy metal sisters and make them, I guess, a dominant team. I, this is one of those cases like, you know what, y'all probably, y'all got too many people on this roster. You, you just do. You just do. And how many more teams are we going to just keep throwing into there? They're the most dominant team category. Or they should get a championship match category. How many more that they don't have enough air time to feature all that? The heavy Metal Sisters, the Mother Truckers, Los Banditas. Uh, sorry, <laughs> there's something crawl around. There. I had to smack it. Uh, but uh, yeah, Los Banditas, Heavy Metal Sisters, the Mother Truckers, the, the 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 last call, the Tonga Twins. How many more different people can we just you know keep throwing into this? Oh, they're, they're the tough. They should get a championship match. And I, why. And to, I'm at the point now, I was like, the heavy metal sisters are never going to get a championship match. They don't even wrestle as a team anymore. And they had one of the, the weakest angles, storylines I've ever seen. The heavy metal sisters are breaking up when they didn't show anything about them breaking up. Just, just some random loose-knit arguments in the back. That was about as close as it got. I said before that WoW expects you to not pay attention to much of anything. And I, every time I watch the show, it, it feels more and more like that. They don't expect you to pay attention to nothing. Just go with what they tell you right now and just accept it for being the truth. And that's pretty much where it is. Just, just accept what we tell you that this is the truth. The next note is, why, I already said, why is Keita Rush out there? If Stephanie Slays is such a good friend to Keita Rush, why are they never together? You know, they're talking about Slays and the and all that stuff. But Keita Rush, you would think, even if they're not tagged together, it's like, you know, come out here and watch my back. You know she's in the building, but, you know, why do things that make sense or have logic behind it? So in this, Fury is just beating up on uh, Keita Rush. You know, and Mesmer finally did something as a manager, took her on the outside and popped Keita with a butt good on her. Maybe she finally heard the complaints that, she, that Mesmer is a pointless entity on the outside unless she is going to actually be a manager. So maybe, maybe she got the note. Maybe there's the, the memo has gone out. Maybe she's decided, you know, I need to do something. Instead of just standing out here smiling, looking like the psycho clown of the group. So, in any case, uh, if we just move on to the end of this. Because this is another match that I'm sure they wanted to say, some sort of uh, emotional tie to that they couldn't. Furious pretty much had had her way with Keita Rush through most of this. Until Keita does get her you know, time to have an advantage. She nails what I think is now her coup de grace, her finishing move. It seemed like they've positioned her springboard high cross body as her finish. So there's a point in the match where she, you know, starts to build her comeback crowd gets behind and all that good stuff. She's a good baby face, but, you know, again, Keita Rush is like a lot of other people that's on this roster that you barely know anything about them. And if you was to go through weeks and weeks of TV, you probably have heard her say a sentence on television. And that does not help anybody, particularly her. Like you you can't get invested in anybody when you don't know who they are, what their motivations and what they're doing. But Keita Rush built some momentum. At some point, she was able to, to get to the outside. She springboarded across, hit the high crossbody, landed on Fury. And, of course, the referee's distracted because Reyes is up on the apron. And then Keita Rush realizes that, hey, you're not counting. She gets up and she goes over to the referee. What are you doing? Fury gets behind and rolls her up one, two, three. And there we're done. <laughs> that was that. So, it was a good showing by Keita Rush. I mean, you know, I certainly don't want to put anything there, especially um, between the two of them, Fury has more experience than Keita does, even though Kita got into wrestling sooner than Fury did. Keita doesn't wrestle in any sort of independence or anything like that. If it's not on WoW, she generally doesn't wrestle. So... But here's the part that it's just mind-blowing to me. The second that she lost, and then the heavy metal sisters start beating her up, spring break 24-7 and Americana all rush out to the ringside. This is why I'm like, well, why weren't they just there? They had to been waiting behind the curtain <laughs> for, for this. Like, the second that she's attacked, then they come running out. I was like, y'all had to been no less than two feet away from that curtain to get out that quickly. Should have just been out here at ringside to negate their interference in the first place. Why didn't you do it? That didn't make any sense, but I know. They're trying to, trying to keep the heels, heels, and baby faces, baby faces and what have you, but they come out, and they run them off. Now, I would think at this point not to change their storyline or the direction that they're going. But I would think at this point, when Americana hits that ring and she's in there against the heavy metal, she's facing them. These people that three four weeks ago, she got on a microphone talking about how they broke my partner's leg. She can't wrestle again. You damaged my son's tablet. You broke it in the backstage. And they've been bullying people. How is it that that ring and the ring ropes suddenly became some sort of magical barrier to Americana that she wouldn't want to get even? I know that Wow has done these things before. They've had what they considered brawls. So why wouldn't this one? Americana, whatever motivation she had to try to get even with the heavy metal Sisters at this point, I was like, I know exactly what's going to happen when they do it. They're going to have to try and rebuild your interest in this story all over again. And they're going to recap it. And then she's going to repeat the same talking points and then they'll finally have a match. Maybe. At this stage, I'm I'm almost at a point where, I'm like, you know what? Just forget it. Just just forget it. Just drop this and move on. Nobody remembers it anyway. Just just drop it. Americana, it clearly isn't that important to her as a, as a persona on the show. Because otherwise, you would think that she would have done something about it by now. So yeah, just drop this and move on. Uh, It doesn't make any sense that none of these people were there watching Keita Rush's back from the start. Considering that she's a babyface, considering that she was allegedly best friends with Steffi Slaves, who was in the same building, considering that she is tagged up with Jennifer Flores, considering that the uh, Americana has issues with the Heavy Metal Sisters that haven't been resolved. And Spring Break 24 7 all just ran out there at the drop of a dime. You think that she'd have enough friends there to watch her back? Apparently not. Wow goes into another segment. And then there's a promo telling the fans, hey, you could be superheroes too. Just believe in yourself and blah, blah, blah. This is an obvious message for kids. Didn't, didn't match up to anything that was going on in the show. It was just a random message, just put in the middle of it, just for the sake of it. Just believe in yourself, and you, you could be a superhero too. Then we go to the Tonga Twins, cutting the promo on Last Call. Uh, this is a good promo, and it's good to hear a promo that's specific. Not some vague or generic version that WoW was kind of, or some of the people are used to do it. This promo was aimed at Last Call, Raina Del Rey and Wrecking Ball. I don't even know why I call them Last Call, because even though it was sent to me in the email that they were Last Call, they never really referred to them as that on TV. You might I've heard it like once or twice, but it doesn't really seem to catch, and they don't really take it anywhere, so why should I? So the main event of the evening was Reina Del Rey and Wrecking Ball taking on the Tonga Twins and and this is allegedly to produce a number one contender. This match may be the uh, weakest of the show. I wanted to like this. And it's not a bad match. It's just so highly, highly choreographed. I mean, you know, wrestling is like that just in general. But when you're in a match and it just looks like it's choreographed, something's wrong there. So it, 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 they start off with all four of them in the ring. The Tonga Twins, Chaos and Kona, and Wrecking Ball and Del Rey. They all squared off, facing against each other. And then they, you know, the heels take a forearm shot to the Tongans. The Tongans fire back with the head, head, but now nah, keep in mind, they're all doing this simultaneously. Like, we'll both do this together, and then they'll both do this together. And, it, man, this just came off as the single most choreographed match that I've ever seen, period. I know all four of them are, are capable of better than this. This was not a main event. It, uh, it just wasn't. This was not a main event. This, this is what I would consider a somewhat poorly booked match. And I only consider it a poorly booked match. These styles do not seem to mesh very well together. It's like four rocks being slammed up against one another. And that's how they try to present it. They try to present it like we got these big, powerful people, and they're going to just be smashed mouth. Well, you know, it, A slow Smash Mouth match isn't necessarily a bad match, but they would have to be more Smash Mouth than what they're doing. This just was slow and plodding and seemed very choreographed. And the fact that they had a match at the beginning of the show that moved better, faster, and seemed like more of a contest at the beginning did not help this match at all. In my view, all it did was it shined a light on how inferior the match was by comparison. So, I mean, this, this the crowd is super mild. They look like they're moving in mud. It's just it's it's so slow. I I, I wouldn't I would not uh, suggest this match to anybody. If you see it, you see it. That's great, but. Let's get to the end of it because that's the only important part here. There's nothing really in the course of the match. Where I was like, oh, man, you got to see that. So, on the outside, Del Rey tries to charge in hit one of the Tongans. She slams herself up against the rail, effectively knocking her out of the match. Now, keep in mind, this is probably towards the end. The match itself might be like six minutes long. Um. <coughs> And so this leads Wrecking Ball to try to take on both the Tongans. And she is fighting back, also moving like she's in slow motion. A chop for you, a forearm for you, a punch for you, another punch to you. And then once they decide they had enough, they headbutter, they put up in the finish. One, two, three is over with. I mean, this, this was just. It, this was not good. <laughs> so it's, it, it, it wasn't the worst match I've seen ever anywhere but this was not a good match for either one of them especially a match what it was supposed to be a number one contenders match and something on the line it just it just didn't come off that way it was a slow plotting choreographed match i was glad when it was over and hopefully they will move last call out of this position and just move back the, the only other thing I could say that might have fixed this, teams that are big and brawny like that do much better when they have smaller teams to bounce off of or to bounce them around. The Road Warriors' best matches that they've had were against teams like the Freebirds, the Midnight Express, the Four Horsemen, you know, teams like that where they can look good and they can throw people around and, you know, the heels have to work extra hard to get by them. The worst matches that they've had were against teams of equal size. Powers of Pain, Demolition. Nobody ever refers to those matches as some sort of classic for the Royal Wars. They just don't. The same dynamic works here. With teams like that that are built and based around you know, mostly power and throwing people and, and this, that, and the other, it's a better thing for them to have smaller teams that could actually give them a run for their money and make them look good. I think the Banditas would have been a better fit in this role. Had they had the undefeated streak going into this that they should have had when they had Sofia Lopez cut that promo for them all those weeks ago saying that we're going at the tag team championships. That should have been the start of it right there. And then you could have led to the Banditas squaring off against the Tonga Twins over the debate. It's like, hey, you know, the Tongas have a a legit claim because they were cheated out of it. The Banditas would have had a legit claim had they stayed undefeated. So now we got to meet in the middle. We got to have this match, and whoever wins gets the title shot. That would have been the way to do it. This was just another case of we got two weeks to make a storyline, so here we go. Uh, So that was the review of the episode, episode 47. Uh, At the end of this match, the tongue is a jump by the Carlson Twins, Miami Sweet Heat. They fight him off, and then McLean makes the match. You know, he has to do his thing. Gets out from the commentating table, picks up the microphone. All right, guys, y'all want a match? A1, blah, yada, yada, yada. It's gonna be for the tag team championships, and it's gonna be no count out, no time limit. We're gonna go all night. Now that's what he said. I sincerely hope that this is not a bait and switch. When you say something like that, it's like, you know, there's no count on no those qualification and, you know, it's going to go all night. Now that's setting the table for this to be a long match and I really doubt that they're going to do a long match but it's setting the table for this to be a long match. By the time they get to it, they are probably, you know, the world will probably forget anyway and they'll just go back to doing what they normally do but, He's setting it to be something epic. Wild doesn't do epic very well. They do good matches. And they've had some matches that go beyond being good. I would say for them, they, it'd be great. But they don't do epic very well. That's one thing I've said that, that they have not found a formula for it. And, I, and granted, I understand it's difficult for them to do that uh, the way that their show is formatted. But they do not have the big fight feel They have a hard time Creating the big fight feel And I get the impression That this is not going to be any different I hope I'm wrong I really do uh, But the the notes For the overall show And one of the things I forgot to mention That the refs don't even pretend to care Or enforce the rules here Especially that one that was in the main event. He didn't. He didn't even attempt to enforce any rules there. He just kind of stood back there and let the all four of them just stand around punching each other. Like didn't even try to. Hey, look, guys, get out the ring. I'm go- I'm ringing the bell. One to none of that. <laughs> so, him calling, saying I'm going to ring the bell while he's standing across the ring or in the turnbuckles or away from them didn't help. But yeah. Uh, so the overall the, the notes going down the line of the entirety of the show. Uh, Americana does not come off of like a woman seeking revenge. I just talked about that. She does not act like a woman that is looking for revenge. In fact, if I was basing it off of this appearance of her, I would think that she didn't have anything to do with this angle or the heavy metal sisters. The revs do not pretend to enforce the rules. The narrative, if the narrative of the heavy metal sisters is that they're bullies, this should probably be key to Russia's angle. I mean, that 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 just writes itself. How do you have an angle where they are talking about somebody backstage bullying people and you have someone whose literal company name is the Bully Busters on that roster and they're not involved with this? How is that a thing? That should be a layup. That should be an angle on a silver platter for Kita Rush. I don't like bullies and she should be going out of her way like, I'm going to stop this right now. It writes itself. Why is that not a thing? What is the point of them constantly bringing up Kita Rush's the fastest wild wrestler. What is that supposed to mean? What is that what does that mean in the overall scheme? You know, she's the fastest wrestler Wow. What does that do with what does that have to do with anything? Is she supposed to be running away from something? Uh AJ Mendez, the soon-to-be-departed from WoW AJ Mendez, is the de facto heel announcer. And I say de facto because she never really sticks with it. The Island Dynasty is clearly down one member now. There's no more Leah McCoy. I'm I'm just going to go ahead and, and accept that because she ain't been on that show in weeks, even though her departure out of that company makes her look like she was made of glass. Since all it was was a normal finishing move and then all of a sudden it's like, I wanted her eliminated and that, that's what I got. It's was like, really? That that one thing put her down and she's gone? Um, The Tonga Twins need to win this this title match that's coming up. They need to win this. If they don't, then they just need to move on. I'm tired of this now. The Tongans just hanging on. It's been almost... It's been almost a full year That the Miami Sweeties Had the championship And they, the Tongans have chased it More or less If this is another case Of they are doing something To screw the Tongans out of the title Or they're going to lose Or something like that Let this be the end of it And move on to someone else I hope that they actually Uphold the stipulations But if the stipulations Do not help them which is normally what those stipulations are there for—to to level the playing field for the babyface. But if that doesn't help, then yeah, just just move on, man. Move on. Get out of it. Uh, this was a clean win for the Tongans, and what's what's next for Delray and Wrecking Ball? Because they're out of the tag team contendership at this point. I'm sure they'll just ignore it and keep going. But that seems to be where they where we are with Wow and his. Personnel, or roster, or whoever. So there we have it. That was uh, the episode forty-seven of Wow. Leaving it all in the ring. I do not think that was a, a practical title for it. Uh, this probably would have worked better for me if it, it was like this. This entire show went in reverse. They started off with the best match tonight, ended with the weakest. This probably would have been better if they weren't going to change the participants in that main event match, if they had changed their lineup of the main event match. If they had swapped them and put them in the first match without all the excessive buildup that they didn't need because they didn't live up to it, and put Los Bandidas versus Flores and Slays in the main event, This would have been an easier show and a better show altogether, but that didn't happen. So it is an average show at best. I mean, I I mean, it it just skates above like a D for me, just barely skates above that. And if anybody in that roster is listening as to why, because I'm... Sometimes these episodes do get back to them. I don't know how. Or I don't know who. I should say. Sometimes I know that they get back to them. But if, if you're listening to that, yeah, <laughs> those, those matches should have been swapped around. That, nothing against anybody that was in them. But it, but it probably should have been swapped around just to try and make this a salvageable episode. Yeah, Let, let's not revisit that. That's <laughs> what Let's not revisit the Tonganson last call. They, they need small teams that they can bully and throw around. And the heels that can maybe score a win out of the clear blue and, you know, beat the uphill battle. But, yeah, just, just them for the sake of uh, being in there with another massive team. Yeah, I, I don't think so. So there we are, folks. That is it. That is the uh, review of the show and, and a little bit of the notes and news that was going on in the Wild. I would be interested to see how exactly this show measured up considering the amount of, of weekend competition that they had going against it as well. It, it probably didn't affect it terribly bad because I know Wow has his own... Uh, Fan base that aren't really in AEW or WWE for that matter, but it'll be interesting. I, you know, if I could find those, that those ratings, I'm really interested in finding the ratings. But if I can find those, I think that will be telling to how good or <laughs> bad this show was taken. So we will leave it at that. And on that note, folks, this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you on the next go-round. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.